0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're joining us today. Today, my guest is Adele Tracy, Adele runs for Hoka, and she now competes for Team Jamaica after years competing with Great Britain. She's been competing on the international stage for over 10 years. Adele focuses on the 1500 and the 800, and in this podcast, we talk about the decision to run for Team Jamaica and her goals and aspirations in the sport of running. She is a multi-faceted woman. She's also a hair and makeup artist, and she's worked in film and TV and photography. She's also been a model. She's a silver medalist in the 1500 and a bronze medalist in the 800 at the North American, Central America, and Caribbean Championships. And during her first season representing Team Jamaica, she became a world semifinalist Over the 1,500 and the 800. We're going to learn all about her career in this podcast. And I just know you're going to love her like I do. If you do enjoy the podcast, please leave us a quick rating interview on iTunes or wherever you're listening so potential new listeners can find us. And if you want to learn more about this show and all the shows in our network, including my other podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling?, which is more of a lifestyle slash parenting podcast, check that out. And then the Ready to Run podcast, which is hosted by Dr. Efren Cabalos and Kurt Roser, who is a physical therapist. They interview professional athletes over there, but they also go over injury prevention and talk about specific injuries that runners might have as well. It's a super informative show. Definitely go check it out. All right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with Adele Tracy. Right. Today on the podcast we have Adele Tracy on the show. Welcome to the show, Adele. Thank you so much for having me. People might not know; they won't know that we are doing this for the second time. We only got twenty minutes in the first time, though, so it's not a full
1: re-recording. Yeah, no, I think um, I think things will go smoother this time. Exactly, we've got yeah. lots to talk about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it must. It has to. Um, so. How's your day going? What's going on? It's later there. You're in the UK. So it's like you're four hours ahead.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. Four hours ahead. I'm in London at the moment, just in a bit of a block of training. Um, yeah. My day's going really well. Um managed to get a double uh, day in. So yeah, all so far so good. <laughs> what does
0: a double day look like for you?
1: So um, usually that means just two runs in a day. I've got a little bit of yoga later to just kind of get ready for the session tomorrow on Tuesday, track Tuesday. So yeah, that's just um, a six and a four. uh, So I've done 10 miles today.
0: When you do yoga, do you go to a studio or are you doing
1: that at home on your own? I actually do it at home um, by an app. And um, it just means that if I have a bit of a longer day or I want to run a little bit later to give myself more recovery, then I can kind of just do it when suits. Um, But yeah, I love the idea of being able to do a class. So that's definitely something that um, I'd like to try. Ooh, what app do you use? I actually use the Deliciously Ella app. Um, okay. It's a cookbook. Uh, well, it was originally um, by a lady called Ella Mills, but she's developed an app and it has loads of great meditations on there, recipes, um, meditation, and um, also like strength and conditioning and yoga. So um, I usually follow that.
0: Oh, I've never heard of her. Did you find her just like on Instagram or what?
1: Um, yeah, she's got a good uh, big social media presence, um, but I don't actually know where I heard about her. She, I think she's got a couple of um, restaurants in the UK. So um, just heard of her through the grapevine. And yeah, I really liked the recipes that she makes. And so um, started listening to some of her podcasts too. So yeah. Oh, she's a podcast too? <laughs> she has everything. Deliciously
0: Anna is the name.
1: Uh, deliciously Ella. Ella.
0: Okay. It, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Wow, that's so fun. I love when I find new interesting people to check out from guests. Oh great. well, i I hope you enjoy um yeah, stuff as
1: much as I do. Um okay,
0: so what in your life right now, like what is the next thing you're training for at this moment?
1: So at the moment, we're just building up for the outdoor season. Um, I've just finished indoors and we've kind of gone back to a little bit of a block of just a little bit more mileage, um, just getting in that base ahead of um, an altitude stint, which. Um, I'll be going to Flagstaff next month and then oh, um, opening up for outdoors actually in the U.S. So that'll be cool. So when you come to Flagstaff, who do you train with in Flagstaff? So um, because I'm with Hoka, there's a great obviously, Hoka group with an athlete there. So hopefully I'll be able to link in a little bit with the running with them. Um, but then um, I'm actually heading out with uh, two friends, um, middle distance, long distance athletes, um, who I've been on council for some years, Melissa Courtney Bryan and Georgie Hartigan. Um, so I'll be staying with them, but just linking with other people where I can and um, my training partner, who's actually my partner as well, oh, will be coming okay. out and he, he does a lot of my workouts with me. So um, that's really handy.
0: Oh, nice. What does his running look like when you say he does his workouts, your workouts with you? Does, is he your speed?
1: Yeah so he he essentially paces me which I'm really really lucky to have. Um, he was an athlete himself retired in 2016 um, more of a 15 sort of steeplechase guy and yeah now um, he basically just all of my sessions with me. Um, I think really loved the idea of just being able to transition out the sport but still having that you know um, I guess the social aspect of running but also just coming down to the track three times a week it kind of makes that progression out of sport a little bit easier Mm -hmm. so having that routine and he really enjoys it so I'm very lucky that I still have that um help yeah
0: also probably gives him like a sense of purpose like he's not just going down to the track his purpose is to help you
1: yeah absolutely yeah I think that's a big part of it too
0: is that because you've been competing high level for a very long time you know and so with him being retired is that challenging for you to know that he's not like Pushing his body at the levels that you're still going for. I think
1: for him, he was a very good junior athlete, and yeah, when it when it came to him retiring, you know, at twenty six, well, twenty five, that he was. Um, it, I think, it's that it's that time that you spend with that intensity um, in the sport, and and he didn't want to fall out of love with it. Whereas I very much was just starting to see the progress grow and just really starting to fall in love with competing at, you know, the highest level that I can. So um, it's been really great that he's been able to kind of join me on that journey. And I feel like whenever I have a really successful moment, I'm able to share that with him because he's been a huge part of the work that I put in as well. So um, yeah, very thankful for that.
0: I love that. That's around the time you said you were really falling in love with running and figuring things out. What was happening at that point that all those things were coming together for you?
1: Um, I think a, a lot of things. Um, I changed to my current coach, um, Craig Winrow, in 2013, and previously to that, I had made international teams. I made my first team actually when I was 16 years old, and I would say that I was a good. I was a good junior. I made that team, but then for another kind of six years, I could make. You know. Um, an England team or um I would sort of be competing quite well on a national level but I wasn't making that next step up um and it took me about six years before I kind of broke through into the senior um I guess running scene and was able to compete at an international level again so I think during that phase there's a lot going on like I was at university and balancing lots of different things I wasn't able to sort of prioritize running in the way that I wanted to I was a working person alongside my athletics as well and so I think when you get that opportunity to essentially go professional Mm. um, you really take it with both hands and um, that's kind of where I was just having so much fun with it I think um, yeah early 20s um, just kind of getting started and, and learning to love Um, racing at that level and, and getting to to grips with that really. So yeah, that's kind of what the the time that I'm referencing. Yeah. You mentioned
0: working person. Are you Mm -hmm. still doing makeup artistry right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I sort of, I think with anything creative, it kind of takes a while to establish yourself in, in any industry. So it's one of those things that I love alongside my running because it's a completely different world. It's actually a great aid for me to come back to running refreshed but uh, just to switch off a little bit and immerse myself creatively but I um, am very much um, concentrating fully on running it's just whenever it kind of fits in Um, I've actually got a wedding coming up this month and um, you know I'll do a photo shoot or something like that every now and again when it sort of works out but um, yeah very mindful of it's usually on a rest day so just trying to get that balance.
0: When you said you were a working person, were you talking about doing that? Or was there something else you were doing as a working person?
1: Yeah, so um, I used to do that. And I also used to do a little bit of modeling alongside that just to kind of essentially be able to run. Um, Hmm. It was one of those things that um, I did for a while when I first moved to my setup here at St. Mary's, um, just to kind of be able to, I guess, fund myself as an athlete and be self-sufficient. Um, while I was sort of getting makeup stuff going, because it's one of those things where you just have to accumulate enough Mm -hmm. clients and be able to do that. So now I've just kind of realized it's such a luxury to be a professional athlete and and really grateful for my um, sponsor, Hoka.
0: Sorry, what did you say you were doing? I didn't understand that one
1: word you said. Um, I was, I was working as a a model. A model. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) thank you um yeah i used to do a little bit of sportswear stuff and just because uh stunt doubling body doubling for films and things like that um just i think when you're an athlete and you can move like an athlete um it's a really interesting industry to work in and having been behind the camera as well on the makeup side of things um it worked really nicely hand in hand i remember working on a film called fast girls and um that was like one of my first opportunities and I was a body double for that, but I was also working with the makeup team too. So, um, yeah, that stood out to me as like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of doing all the things that I love. And and that's actually what I really love about my work as well. Um, when I do get to combine the two.
0: That is so cool. Um, what is that like being a body double? I'm so
1: curious. That's such an interesting thing to do. Um, it can be really fun. It can also be really long hours. Um, I think with anything with film and TV, it's sort of, um until you get that shot, until you get that moment, you sort of you work till you Mm. you get it. So it's kind of the opposite to running. Running is very structured. You have, you know, specific times where you train. Um and in that world of makeup and and I guess, you know, being a, a model or whatever, um, it's the opposite. So I think they don't necessarily always work alongside each other. But yeah, I've always kind of wanted to be an athlete and and however I supported myself to get there I guess um I just kind of had to do what I had to do really
0: um and last question on that how did you fall into it or how did you pursue it
1: um so I went to the arts university Bournemouth and and actually studied makeup and prosthetics and I originally worked a lot more in like film and tv and sort of mm, casualty simulation and sort of Making models and prosthetics, and um, that's what I really, really mm. love. But how I said before, where the, the hours are really long mm. and unpredictable, that sort of didn't really fit in with my lifestyle as an athlete. So the work that I do now is very much more in fashion, so like a one-off shoot or with brides, um, and I've done quite a lot of athlete um, brides as well. So that's really nice to kind oh, of share fun. those morning and stuff um, with uh, with other athletes. So yeah, it's it's a really, I guess, different day every day. So I enjoy that aspect of things.
0: Okay. Let's talk about your sponsorship with Hoka then. How long have you been in partnership with them?
1: So I've been with Hoka since uh, 2021. Yeah, it's been an amazing two years. They're super supportive. Um, Really, really, I guess like there's a really like family energy that you get Mm -hmm. from the brand, which I really love. Um, and yeah, I feel like all of their values kind of align with mine as well. So, um, yeah, really enjoying this partnership.
0: Um, okay. So you're running for Jamaica now and we need to hear the progression of how you got here. So can you share with everybody a little bit about your background and running for Great Britain and now Jamaica?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of people were um, surprised by the switch, um, I guess that is the, the thing when I was saying earlier, you know, Hoka being really supportive of me as like a human as well as an mm. athlete. Sometimes you don't know everyone's individual stories. And um, I guess mine is that I grew up in Jamaica, I was actually born in the US, um, funnily enough. So um, very multinational household. Um I, I was yeah, raised in Jamaica, in um, the Hills, in Manchester which is where my family are from. So very rural. Um, I was very lucky to have that sort of um, upbringing in yeah, the country, I guess. And mm. and I guess that's where my sort of first memories of running started at school in Jamaica, um, running in the hills. And it's probably it has a lot to do with why I'm happiest when I'm running at altitude in the hills and um, also why I've gravitated towards um, the endurance running scene. Mm.
0: Yeah, and Jamaica is known wildly for their sprinting community. They're really fast runners. Um, but what you're doing with the fifteen hundred and the eight hundred, that's considered like distance athletes. So what's that like being a distance athlete for Jamaica?
1: Oh, it's been so special. Um, you know, there's been amazing athletes like um Natoya Ghoul, Aisha Portlier, who have been campaigning, you know, to to show that Jamaicans can run far as well as fast uh, for some years. So it's amazing to join them on that journey. And and I really hope that we can improve the depth because there is the talent there. And when you have uh, athletics as the number one sport in a country, Mm -hmm. there's so much passion and and love for the sport. So that's been a really amazing experience for me to be a part of. Um, But yeah, like it's it's definitely um, a new experience, something that I feel really I guess it's been really meaningful for me to kind of represent the other side of my heritage Um, my dad ran for Jamaica Mm. and having previously run for Great Britain um, you know it's it's just meant a lot to be able to explore that other side as well.
0: What did your dad do what events did he compete in?
1: He was a 400 meter runner actually Um, I remember seeing an article in Sports Illustrated actually I think it was Years and years back, um, about when he won the Penry Days. So um, he was really successful and he got a scholarship to um, Washington, University of Washington, Seattle, which is why um, I was born there. Um, and I've sort of always known about his successes um, growing up. So naturally, I think you do gravitate towards those things when you know your parents kind of were involved in them. And my mum's a massive athletics fan, and we always had. Um, the athletics on in our household. So I kind of knew from a very, very young age that that's something that I always wanted to do. I, I always wanted to be an athlete.
0: Okay. So you're in the States when you're born. You moved to Jamaica. You're there till you're seven? Yes. Yeah. And then you moved to the UK. What brought you back to Jamaica and then what brought your family to the UK?
1: So we yeah we lived in, in Jamaica for quite a few years um, my dad's family are based there and when my parents separated we moved to the UK which is where my mom's from um, and yeah I just I had kind of grown up through that British system of running and um, gone to English schools progressed to national titles and then um, you know made my first team and I, I kind of never really I guess realized what that would mean I guess mm. um, you know I was just as proud to represent Great Britain as I am to represent Jamaica now. But I think when I was younger, watch Athletics on the TV, like I would be supporting all the nations that I saw, you know, myself in. So, you know, that was Team USA. That was um, the Jamaicans. That was the Brits. And it's, it's hard to say that, you know, I ever saw myself, you know, one over the other representing. It just felt like that's all of me. Um, and so having explored that side of representing Great Britain for quite a few years, um, this was actually the first time that I had the opportunity to, to make the switch. Um, the kind of the rules that surround um, change of allegiance within wild athletics, it kind of means you have to spend three years out of the sport um, if you want to make that change. And I I guess one positive that came out of COVID for me was that it gave me that year. Um, I'd experienced a few years of injury and struggle going into 2020 and when I realized um, that that eligibility was opening up I I'd, I'd just missed out on the Olympics and I was like you know what this is something that I would love to explore I'd love to you know represent the other side of my heritage and mm. and really have that new experience and opportunities. Was it scary? Absolutely yeah yeah it was a really stressful process in the sense that when your goals are at the forefront of your mind mm. and you know I wanted to go to the world championships this summer um, and those decisions take time so it, it really did come down to the wire um, I remember I flew out to the Jamaican trials to compete there and I still didn't have uh, confirmation on if I was going to be a Jamaican athlete so there were some real risks involved mm. and um, it definitely wasn't a smooth smooth ride but um, I can say, honestly, say it's the the best decision that I've made, and I've I've loved every minute of being part of the Jamaican team.
0: So when you get to the tri- Jamaican trials, and you don't know yet if you're going to be on the team, do you are you allowed
1: to just compete in the
0: trials while you're waiting on confirmation?
1: Um yeah, so Jamaica's national trials are open to everyone, so you can compete the trials, um, no matter what nationality you are. um, and yeah, so I went, I went along and I, I knew that I'd made my decision. That's, you know, what I wanted to do. I knew for a good year going into that, that championship, that that's what I was going to do. Um, But yeah, I just had to kind of wait for that decision to be made. And, and luckily it was uh, the following Monday.
0: Wow. That's wild. Do you feel embraced by the Jamaican team? Are you feeling settled in?
1: Yeah, it was such a, such a whirlwind like I say that decision happening and then me making a snapshot to go okay I'm going to Flagstaff to prepare for world championships um and then landing in Eugene and you know it it's finding your feet meeting new people Mm. and it's it's been yeah a really meaningful experience it's been I've been really um yeah just overwhelmed by the support that I've had from my teammates as well as um, the Jamaican athletics fans as well, because uh, athletics is, is really a big thing in Jamaica. And, and I feel really, really, um, yeah, really touched that people have been so overwhelmingly kind and um, welcoming. When you were considering
0: making the switch, did you reach out to Aisha Prattlier and ask her about the process or anything like that?
1: I did. Yeah. Because um, Aisha was a real, um, she was such a supportive person in that journey and I remember Aisha coming to where I train in London um, in I think 2015 and she was going to meet um, some of her family in London Um, and she was telling me about her journey that she'd been on um, with reconnecting with her family and, and competing with Jamaica and that just really I almost I really felt like Oh my gosh, this is something that I really want to experience. This is something that I'd love to do, um, and I feel like we really connected there. So when I reached out to her um, to kind of discuss what I was, I was my plans were, um, she was super supportive. So that's been um, really lovely, actually.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Um, let's talk about your time running for the UK, though. Can you share some of your most rewarding experiences on that team?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I. I guess I would say um, one of the I have memories that kind of sticks out for me still is probably um, Berlin in 2018 um, where I came forth at the European Championships. I was hoping you would say that
0: because I wanted to hear the story a little bit more. Um, but I was like, maybe there's something else that's like you don't know to ask about. So tell us about <laughs> that and why it was so such a big deal to place fourth, even though fourth is such a heartbreaking position to be in.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people would be really disappointed with fourth, but um, I actually went into those championships ranked, I think, 17th. So for me, I, yeah, I think my expectations were just, you know, you weren't really pinning any hopes on doing anything. Of course, I would have loved to make the final. And I feel like if you make a final, sort of anything can happen. But um, I just remember being so full of confidence that year. There's very few moments where your body feels incredible. You feel like what you're saying matches up with what you're doing and you just feel ready. And that was one of those years where, um, yeah, I was so ready to to go into those championships and really excited for it and injury free, feeling great. Um, so yeah, I have really fond memories of that championship and Having been so close to a medal, of course, you mm. dwell on that. That's you know how we're programmed essentially. But um, I do look back, and I I wouldn't have changed anything in that. I think it only confirmed to me that you know I am I'm, I'm capable of sort of getting medals in the future and being um, in in finals of that standard. So yeah, I think it's it's uh, it was definitely a key moment for me and just really boosting my confidence and reminding me that um yeah when you when you feel great and and everything aligns like just take that opportunity Mm.
0: so that sounds kind of magical how you're describing how you felt what what was happening in your life that everything came together so perfectly
1: um I just think um yeah you just have these years where Mm. training goes really well my coach always gets me to peak at the right time um I I put my trust in him and you know he he gets that right every year and I feel like that year in particular it was you know a stressful selection process and by the time I got to the championship I was like you know what I've got absolutely nothing to lose um I'm exactly where I want to be so let's just see what I can do and I think when I approach things with that attitude of just having fun Mm -hmm. um that having fun are really difficult to be, and I think that's that's how I get the best out of myself.
0: I love that sentiment. Um, ha, did you have to work to overcome like the the stress and the pressure of racing or being at that race, knowing that you had nothing to lose? You were ranked so much lower. Maybe that mentality. But what about when you are ranked third or whatever it is? You know, how do you work on the mental side?
1: So um, I've been working with. Um, a guy called Mike Cunningham It's about 2015 Okay. and he actually approached me because um, I'd never kind of thought about the I guess the psychology side of things and it's been it's been so useful because the way that I see each experience um, is that there's always something to learn there's always something to get through from every single experience and Mm. I know that as soon as that race is finished I'm going to then use that as a reference for the next um and so I tend to just go into races really just focused on what I can do what I want to achieve in that moment and I don't know if it's something that I've always done or you know I've I've worked with him for a really long time so obviously that's been um great at, at kind of helping reinforce that but nerves aren't something that I've ever really had around running because I just think I just love it I just really enjoy it and I think if I have that opportunity and I can use my body in that way and, and really see what I can do then that's that's all I really want um I definitely would say that when you are feeling underprepared that's probably where things are more difficult but when things have gone smoothly and you're full of confidence it, it i find it a lot easier <laughs> all right friends
0: this episode of the podcast is supported by gooder and i know if you've been in the Reading community for a while you probably know about gooder they have the best sunglasses out there they're affordable functional and fashionable they do not break i just throw my gooders in my purse and they last my kids haven't broke them i don't know how these things last but they last a long time i love their aviator shades i love the breakfast run to tiffany and i love having a fun color for race day just go to gooder.com another and use the code another for free shipping that's free u.s standard shipping gooder.com slash another use the code another for free u.s standard shipping And don't forget, when you leave a rating and review on this podcast, you're entered to win a pair of free Gooder Shades. So go do that over on iTunes. I pick a new winner every single month and share it on this show. All right, friends, back to the show. What about preparing for the hard? Like, you know, we'll say the 800. When does
1: the 800 get really hard? Um it's different it's different at different times of year I definitely say that (laughs) and um it's it's really the last 100 meters um a lot of 800 meter runners that I speak to say that it it is a strength event because Mm -hmm. that last 100 is is all strength you're just holding on um and I have this thing that I tend to do look um slightly slightly crazy um where I do gr- I grin at that when it starts to get tough and um I remember somebody saying at a race once that it's my my half mile smile because ever as I get to that point where it is pretty tough um I start smiling so I don't know if that's me trying to trick myself but <laughs> it seems, seems to be something that happens a lot <laughs>
0: That's so cool. You know, I, I, sometimes when I'm running marathons, will we'll do that. It's, it's obviously a much different kind of pain because marathon such like a long grind, but I will be like, oh, this hurts so bad. And, and if I do smile, it, it does help a little bit. And also just reminds me to have some gratitude, but in an 800 meter race, it's like, there's not really a lot of time to reflect on your gratitude. You're like grimacing slash grinning to get to that finish line.
1: Yeah. absolutely. I think it is just you know, trying to find your state of flow almost. And um, yeah, maybe that's the smile is how I I kind of get into that space. Um, Yeah. But really interesting to hear that you also do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really, I think that's a really good mind trick almost. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like that's a mind trick for you. It just sounds like what you naturally do.
1: Yeah. I I don't know that I'm doing it. I've only known people tell you, yeah, yeah. People have told me, or I've watched, you know, but I race back to kind of analyze it, and I feel like, what on earth? I'm smiling.
0: This is the happiest so. 800 meter runner on the planet. She's in so much pain, and she's smiling. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so good. Um, tell us your feelings on the 15. Now, are you focusing more on that now?
1: Yeah. So, um, just in the last year or so, last 18 months, I guess, um, my coach has just noticed a lot more strength um in my training things like tempo just seem a little bit easier I'm able to run a lot more miles than I used to be able to and we just thought you know what we'll give it a go um we will do more 1500s than we do 800s last season and um some of, people have always said to me when I was younger they're like you kind of get to your late 20s early 30s something changes like you just feel stronger and I kind of always raised an eyebrow until I got to this point. And it's, it's bizarre. Like I never would have entertained the 1500 before now. So I think just where I've just been feeling a little bit stronger, we've just been trying to do a little bit more. In, and for the first year, last year, started racing 1500. Um, and it's been just really cool to have another event um, and to learn a new event as well. Mm. And I really do feel like I'm still, still learning. Um, so that's been really nice. And obviously having the opportunity to run for Jamaica has opened up that ability to double at championships. So I'm able to explore the 1500 as well as still do 800 and, and just see what I'm able to achieve in the, in the 800 off the back of that, that 15th strength as well.
0: Would you typically like in a, in a big weekend, would those races be on different days?
1: Yes. So Sometimes it's challenging at championships where you have, um, I know in some, in some instance there's been each of one race on the same day as, you know, a different, the 800 and the 15. Um, but generally the timetable, if it can allow it, then I would absolutely try and do both because I think particularly at championships, the, the part for me is, I, I, hate, I, I don't like it when it's over I'm having, you know, such a great time, like performing oh. and enjoying racing that I'd always get to the end and I'd be like, Oh, just I'm gutted. It's done. So the the nicest thing about being in Eugene, um, last summer was that I had another opportunity to go back out there. Um, and so that was, that was really cool.
0: Wow. That's, that's so cool to hear because for some reason, I think of people being like, ah. I'm so glad I got that done. Like, I'm so glad that's over with because I was like, you know, the pressure or whatever. And to hear you say like, I get to go out again. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just think, um, you know, that's what you train for. You train to race. You, yeah. you want to perform at the highest level. And I just, yeah, if I have an opportunity to do that, then that's absolutely, um, yeah, what I'll do. So yeah, definitely this season, I think we're going to try and do the double again. Um, and then yeah just see how things go but it's been really cool to have that additional event and explore a new distance.
0: How do you like focus on both so like you're all in mentally physically with eight and then the 15 do you just like kind of like push the 15 aside while you're doing the eight what does that look like mentally?
1: Yeah so I yeah basically just focus on one day at a time I think it's very much um a case of focusing on one race when you have rounds as well Mm -hmm. um just not getting too ahead of yourself because every round is is different and really challenging so um yeah just getting through each round is is the key thing um and I think in Eugene because the 1500 was first it I'd never done a 1500 at a championship in that way before and definitely running a little bit further each round it's it's really taxing on the body so it almost felt like a treat by the time I got to the 800. 800 I was like wow I've done the hardest bit so
0: this is yeah this is fun tell me about the difference in intensity there with those races like the 15 not being quite as fast and just like the atmosphere too I was just talking to this with my husband we were actually talking about the 2016 I don't know if you remember this the um um, the Olympic trials here in the United States and that 800 was insane. Like a bunch of people fell. Um, and I was just thinking like how intense, you know, you're going so fast and, and getting clipped and possibly falling. Does it feel a little less
1: intense in the 15? You're still going so fast. Quite the opposite actually. Um, at which I wasn't expecting. I'd, I'd watched, you know, a lot of 1500s over the years be raced, but it's actually, um, there's a lot more traffic. Um, ah. There's a lot more change. every. The races are a lot more varied. Um, you know, it might go out slow and then be a, a burn-up or it just becomes tactical very quickly. Whereas the 800, I would say for the most part, um, it you know, there's only two ways of running it. And um, quite often it, it, it it's an honest race. It's a true race. So mm. that, that means that everybody is able to you know run at max so there's not as much um collision and and tripping and things like that so I was actually really surprised to see see that race that you're referencing because oh you remember yes I do yeah I remember it um there's usually a lot more going on in in the 15. I would say
0: oh wow well you know I think about you doing the eight and the 15. I don't know I this is who I think about when I think of that is Brenda Martinez yeah because she got tripped up like she was one of the people that probably would have made the team and then she went on and made the team in the 15
1: Yes, yeah absolutely I've loved watching Brenda over the years like she's yeah such an amazing athlete and um the fact that she could do that like through the rounds and then you know make the team in a different event is so impressive so um yeah I think that's really really cool
0: okay so you oftentimes you I think you said is it 10 or 11 times you've gone to train in in Africa
1: and I10? So I've actually been 8 times. Yeah. 8 times. Part okay. 8 times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why there? Like where how did you decide that's going to be the place that you go to to do some training?
1: I just I just love it. I am. Um, it's such a peaceful place. You go you just strip everything back. It's just, just about running, routine, um, you know, very minimal lifestyle in sense of like there's no distractions um and it's just all about recovering and, and getting the most out of yourself while you're there but there's actually nowhere else that I've been in the world that you can run so many full loops from the door um in the sense that you know you can do out and backs and in other places but um there's so many routes um and it's just there's beautiful running like it's it's a great place to train um I went there for the first time i think in 2014 um when i was still quite young and um had just started with my coach craig winroe and i think because that was my first um experience of altitude um mm. at being at 8000 feet so it's pretty high wow i sort of learned to respect altitude quite a lot um and so now i go back there and it's it's so humbling to know the progress that i've made since then um because i'm a very different athlete but also yeah, just, just going back to that routine. I know it really works for me. Um, and my friends, Melissa, Courtney, Brian, we've been back together, um, pretty much every time because going that, that first time together, you need, you get that, um, real respect for altitude and, and we felt the benefits of it and it's, yeah, we've just continued to go.
0: Okay. So I know some of you listening might know the answer to this, but I don't. So I know some people don't either. Um, give us an idea of, comparison altitude you said 8,000 feet like what's Flagstaff
1: what's Boulder so I think 8,000 feet is about 2,400 meters and I think Flagstaff is about 2,100 so okay. a little bit lower but okay. there's obviously the opportunity to train lower because you can drop down Sedona and Cottonwood okay. and um uh, yeah to so Camp Verde I don't know what Colorado is but um I've heard other people have trained there and it's been about 1500 so yeah there's there's a benefit to training at different heights but I think when you go really really high it's it's just about stripping everything back and actually just thinking about how are you feeling running to heart rate Mm. um and just not overcooking it really so that's really really important when you're we're training super high
0: when you guys go over there to, I- am I saying it right? iTunes? Yeah. It's 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm like, I don't know how to compare it. Cause you're saying it with, with a British accent. With so an I'm accent. Like, I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I think you're saying it right. Okay. Apologies in advance. If I'm saying that wrong to anybody listening. Um, but when you guys go over there, are you syncing up with a group that trains there?
1: So there is the opportunity, like the Kenyan fartlek happens every week. We see a mass of Kenyans um, doing this amazing part, like, and, I, and it, the the amount of people it like, goes on for, for ages. It's it's really cool to see actually. Um, but my coach usually is pretty specific about the the, the training and the sessions that I do because um, a lot of the people that tend to go that high are sort of aiming for a lot longer distances. So we yeah he sets my training and i usually stick to that but if there is opportunity to kind of jump in with a session with other athletes then yeah i've done that in the past and it's definitely been a benefit and my friend um who i was out there last time with courtney bryant she's more of a kind of 15 uh, 5k runner so definitely that time of year in january um it's it's great to link in with other people if you're doing sort of tempo and longer efforts um but that sort of specific 800 1500 uh, speed and lactic stuff I usually just do on my own um, but yeah I have a really great relationship with Craig that he's um, been working with me for such a long time that he knows that I kind of know what I'm doing there mm. and he just sets it and doesn't necessarily need to be there for me to to have a good camp.
0: Okay tell us a little bit about Craig as your coach.
1: Yes. Okay like yeah.
0: thinking up with him and, and how
1: that relationship started. So I first started working with Craig in 2013 I'd been at Bournemouth arts university and kind of just wasn't striking a balance with um all the sort of work I was doing and it was quite an intense course in that it was very practical so you had to kind of be in every day it was kind of like a nine to five um so training around that was really difficult and I definitely wasn't doing the strength work that I needed to support the running so I did find Myself injured quite a lot so when I left um, when I finished university I decided to just try and kind of put all my energy into running and approach Craig and yeah he, the rest is history I guess um, Craig was actually an 800 meter runner himself He is a 145 guy and went to the um, Olympics in Atlanta so he has a lot of experience himself um, which is always great because I just feel like when he's telling me the workouts he used to do he knows how I feel <laughs> um so yeah and and he really understands me in the sense that I really struggle with numbers mm. I can be um a little bit different on how I operate on a session day to day um and Craig's very understanding with that and sort of breaks it down for me um and he'll sort of be like if we have I don't know a 1200 and a, a k and and 800 even now I'm trying to work out what that is but he'll just kind of be like Adele we're doing three laps two that's one lap or whatever so um just simplifies things for me because um yeah that can be a struggle with uh, my dyslexia and things
0: yeah I'm glad you brought that up because I have it in my notes and I'm like oh my gosh we've been talking for 45 minutes and we haven't even gotten there um and I know you're an ambassador for is it dyslexia association or foundation
1: I, yeah, so um, I've been an ambassador since 2020. Um, sort of got involved with the charity during COVID when some sort of all charities were in crisis. Um, and yeah, it's something that I've always been pretty confident I like talking about because I just think honesty is the best policy. People are pretty compassionate. And if you kind of explain your situation, generally people want to help. Um, or just, you know, allow you to to have enough time to sort of do what you need to do. Um, and so, yeah, I just got involved in the charity and um, I've always sort of been dyslexic, but I'm also dys- dyscalculic, which is kind of with numbers. Okay. And I actually think that's what affects me more on the daily because there's a lot of numbers in running. So, yeah, just getting people to understand and spread awareness around what being a neurodiverse person means I guess um how to yeah help people and uh, navigate those kind of um I guess uh, specific learning difficulties but also change the narrative around it a little bit because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding with um neurodiversity and what what it means to be neurodiverse
0: um I have to admit, I've never heard of the dyscalculus. Dis-
1: yes, yeah. So it's definitely, there's a lot. I mean, in terms of the research that's there for dyscalculia, there's a lot less. Um, it's basically dyslexia with numbers. Um, okay. So a lot of like sequencing, um, uh, just understanding um, how to, I don't know, read the time and just sequence and, and just it takes me a little bit longer so when i sort of did my exams at school um i would get sort of 25 percent extra time for like reading um for my dyslexia but i actually got 50 percent extra time for my dyscalculia um so it just takes me a bit longer to work things out that's basically what it comes down to but neurodiversities are different for every single person and so i think that's the importance in raising awareness because i think if you can um, just ask someone what makes it a little bit easier for them to navigate, um, a situation. Then I think that's the best kind of place to start.
0: What's the best thing your parents did to support you in this when you were young and how old were you when you found out?
1: So I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was seven. Um, when I moved to the UK and my mom, uh, made sure that I went to, um, it was a state school, but a, a school with a special, um, a teaching assessor to be able to diagnose that um so I mean that was a real blessing because if my mum hadn't pushed to try and get me into a school that had someone who could recognize that then I might not have been diagnosed a lot later Um, I think about 80 percent of people leave school without a diagnosis so there's a lot of adults in the workplace that don't even know that they're dyslexic or you know there's lots of other neurodiversities dyspraxia dyslexia Um, ADHD there's lots of things that come with um, hand in hand with dyslexia as well so um, a lot of people out there that probably might have thought oh gosh this is something that makes me feel uncomfortable I don't really know why I don't find this as straightforward as somebody else Um, but maybe just don't know that they're they're dyslexic so um, I definitely say my mum was really great at just kind of boosting my confidence by getting me involved in loads of other activities at school and, and running definitely was a mm-hmm. massive part of that. I think, you know, the reason how I found running and, and why I am a runner is, is also because I'm dyslexic. Um, you know, it's somewhere where I've always felt confident and I could, um, yeah, achieve and, and do well. So even if my academics weren't particularly good, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a space that I felt really good in. So she was great at doing that.
0: Mm, I love that that's really challenging. I mean, exams in high school and college take a long time without that complication. And so yeah. that's a, that's a lot of patience and, and time to sit in a test. You get the extra time, but like, that's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's why I've, as an adult pursued a lot more practical things um, for work because that's the kind of environment I thrive in. And, um, I feel like I can bring other skills to those places. Um, yeah, definitely the school system. There's a lot of barriers for people who are new diverse. And hopefully that's something that will change in the in future to just support other learners.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So you're an athlete. You're a makeup artist. I love that you're you're leaning into this like creative side of what you love to do. And then also the, the physical side. Have you thought, I know that you're really like peaking in your career and you have a long, long years ahead of you still with, with the athletics, but like, do you think the makeup thing will be like what you go to when, when you're done with the running thing as a, as a professional?
1: Absolutely. I think, um, it's just a space that I've always felt is, you know, just as, as fun. That's what I get to do every day when I'm running. So I think for me, I, I need that out of a career you know if you know when I do eventually hang up my spikes I want to be able to do something that kind of fulfills me in a similar way that I'm really passionate about and I do feel like makeup is is that thing so hopefully in the future that's something that I'll be doing more of
0: you have a theme here of of what you do needs to be fun
1: yeah I think fun is key I think something that I always say to um, I guess younger athletes is that there's no fear when you're having fun. I just think like you, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't have those inhibitions. You don't have that anxiety there because you're just having a good time. So if the emphasis can be on that, then you're always going to thrive.
0: Mm, that is so beautiful. Um, what are you most excited about competing for Team Jamaica?
1: I think I'm really excited about the well the year that's coming up um we have uh, another world championships this summer in Budapest and then there's also a Pan American Games um in October so lots of opportunities um yeah I think last year was such a whirlwind that I didn't get to really process or fully appreciate what what that change meant and um I'm really hoping that now that yeah everything's in place and I've I've had my first opportunity to complete the Jamaica um going into this year it'll be um yeah really fun and and hopefully make a lot more exciting and fun memories
0: Hmm. all right what's something professionally or personally you would like to do in your life this is the end of the podcast questions that you haven't done yet
1: um oh I know something that springs to mind but I think that's very obvious I, I would love to go to an Olympic Games. That's that's like a massive goal for me. Um, and yet, yeah, it's, it's not that far in the future. Paris, twenty twenty, oh, is on the horizon. Um,
0: yeah, that break year. That, I mean, the the year that since we the Olympics had to be postponed, it's like it's really made it seem so close. It's like three it has, years. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: it's gonna come around so quickly.
0: So wild. Um, what's the best most recent book you've read? or that you recommend?
1: I'm not a massive reader, hence the But I do find actually it's, it's actually a really nice way for me to unwind on a camp when I have no distractions and things. So I, I, I do read um, the most recent book I read, I think is Girl by Kenya Hunt. Okay. Um, and it's sort of essays of women of color, their experiences. Um, I love Kenya Hunt. She's um an editor, I think, for and magazine, but she's actually um uh American British. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's an amazing lady. So I really enjoyed that book and it was just it was really easy to, for me to read and as a dyslexic. That's not doesn't happen very yeah. often. So
0: yeah, I love that one. I was gonna say, do you do audio books?
1: Yes, yes, yeah, so I, I I've listened to a few audiobooks. Um Listen to Michelle Obama's one, actually, and that was really great because she reads it as well. So I think I ran a few miles listening to that as well, just like easy miles. So, nice. yeah, that's a
0: really good shout. I need to get back into that. Yeah, British American, you have triple
1: citizenship. I do, yeah. That's got to yeah. be a
0: pretty rare thing.
1: Yeah, I do think it's quite unusual. Um, yeah, it, it seems a little bit greedy, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah but um yeah no I, I I love that yeah I've got this multinational um yeah side of me that's cool
0: who's someone fun motivating or inspiring you would like to have coffee tea or cocktail with
1: oh a really tricky one with a lot of people I don't know why this is springing to mind but I would Really like for me. Do you know the naturalist David Attenborough? No, the okay. naturalist. Yeah, so he does a lot of the the speaking on these like um, I guess series about animals in the wild and things like that. But he's just such a knowledgeable man, and I've heard that he lives in Richmond, which is not too far from where I'm, <laughs> and I'm always. I'm always like thinking I'm going to see him walking around Bushy park when I'm running or something. But I just think he'd be a really cool guy to just sit down and just like learn from.
0: <laughs> so cool. Okay. What's his name again? David Attenborough. Okay. Oh, I love that answer. Um, <laughs> you've thought, pro- this is probably a question you've been asked before. That's annoying, but what's it like sharing a name with like the most famous, one of the most famous singers of all time that goes by just Adele.
1: Um, Tough, particularly as she has a song called Chasing Pavements. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I think my year 11 science teacher used to always taught me with that one. (laughs) And always be like, Adele, stop chasing pavements. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Have you ever been to an Adele concert? I haven't, no. I feel like I need to.
0: Yeah, you should. You should get like VIP access just for sharing the name. name.
1: (laughs) Maybe. I'd love that.
0: (laughs) What is your last message to leave with
1: our audience? oh gosh um I've just really enjoyed chatting with you Lindsay Mm -hmm. so yeah I think um I guess maybe a a message around connection and and I just I love that these opportunities and in the running community um just give you that opportunity to connect with yeah other runners and and have that that common ground so yeah I guess it is just one big community and and yeah we should all sort of draw on that more.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Adele. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening today. Thanks, Adele, for coming on the podcast. You can find Adele on Instagram. She's Adele Tracy over there. You can learn more about her on her website, AdeleTracy.com. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram, at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. You can always find Sandy Boy Productions on Instagram as well and learn more about this show and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here, and we will see you next week on All Have Another.